they're really at the forefront being women of prayer. And I know in the diocese where I served, we were blessed with a cloistered monastery of women. And I always reminded myself, who knows how much more calamity there would be in the world if there weren't these women in monasteries around the world. They're diminished, but they're still there praying. We have to believe in that power. Hello, my friends. It gives me great joy to bring to you a very familiar face. Bishop Joseph Strickland is with us. We're going to be talking today about uh, a, another controversial thing for Pope Francis in the Vatican. He um, instituted uh, female lectors right inside the Vatican. That was a permission given a while ago, but it was a ceremony done uh, as he did it in the Vatican uh, just a few weeks ago now. Also, um, we noticed Diane Montagna, Vatican reporter, has pointed out that only the English translation of Fiducia Supplicans has a very uh, a part that many in the English language have used to confront those who have said, oh, there's a real problem with this document because it said it was for the individuals uh, in paragraph 38 of Fiducia Supplicans. But uh, Diane Montagna, being the linguist that she is, looked in the original Italian and in the Spanish and in the German and in the French, and lo and behold, it's all there about blessing them. Is it is for them. Für sie in the German, pour, para ellos in the Spanish, and so on. And yet, in the English, it's about the individuals. So we're going to be talking about that, uh, as well as Lent upcoming and starting on St. Valentine's Day. Stay tuned for this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Welcome to LifeSite League. What are we? We are change. We are relentless. We are a voice for the voiceless. We are prayer warriors. We are journalists. We are activists. As citizen journalists, we, members of LifeSite League, contribute stories to LifeSite News from across the world. Christ is calling you. He is calling every single one of us to fight, to fight for truth and stand on the front lines with our greatest weapon in our hand, the rosary. The world we are living in is encompassed by evil. It is mocking God, killing babies in the womb and burning down our churches. And what are so many of us doing? We are standing by in silence. Or worse, we are compromising and joining the devil's army out of convenience. But not anymore. LifeSite News brings to you the League. We stand on the side of Christ. We stand for truth and are ready to transform the culture we are living in. There is no time to waste. There is no time for weakness. Join the fight for truth now Join LifeSite League. Bishop Strickland, so good to be with you. God bless you. John Henry, thank you. We can, uh, can begin for us as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, you've been uh, receiving a lot of messages of praise and thanks for uh, your 
stance, your fidelity for uh, the joy and the confirmation that people aren't crazy that you're giving a lot of people. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, it, it really is overwhelming. I'm humbled by the number of people really from all over that are just thanking me, um, thanking me for the way I've dealt with this, which is, you know, humbling. I really feel I have to credit the grace of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, nobody told me how to respond. And I, I'm sure there are different ways to respond. But really, John Henry, I base the the peace that I feel, the joy that's still in my life is because I'm sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. That strengthens me. And, but it is, you know, I'm human. And it's it's very nice to have so many people. I mean, just today, a couple of high school students thanking me for speaking up and for doing so with with a gentle heart, um, not harshness, but clear the the clarity I hear gratitude for, and just being willing to speak the truth, even when there are certainly forces saying don't speak the truth, stay quiet. Um, so it, it is gratifying and. I just feel blessed to have that clarity that, um, you know, I'm really not against anyone, but I'm for Jesus Christ. And as he tells us, that creates some division. We divide from anything that is evil, anything that is not of God, the closer we grow to Christ. And I'm still on the journey, as we all are. Um, I have a great devotion to the Sacred Heart of Christ, and I just in prayer this morning, I like to pray the rosary and, and, and ask, Lord, bring me closer to your sacred heart as I reflect on you know, the, the luminous mysteries today as he's being baptized by John the Baptist. So I think to keep the joy and to keep the clarity of the truth for me, it gives me strength. And I'm, I'm glad to have so many contacting me, thanking me and offering their support offering help in all kinds of ways. Beautiful. The Vatican continues to be a source of news, of controversy, of uh, all things going on. One of the things that happened recently, um, it actually follows on something that came out of Rome. It was a sort of permanent or, or making formal uh, the right or the position of acolyte and lector for women. It was something that was permitted by, um, you know, in cases, in circumstances where that wasn't, uh, there wasn't, some, uh, you know, someone, a man readily available to read or whatever. But there was a formalization of that some time ago. Pope Francis has just recently also instituted two uh, women lectors from different parts of the world. Why is that controversial? What is that? And what is the church's actual stance on these things? And where does it come from? My take on it is that it's it's sort of a a very slow but very clear movement, you know, the controversy of women's ordination and everything. And we've heard things, oh, well, that's not even on the table for discussion. I think we would both agree we're in a time of um, great confusion. I would even, I've said recently, weaponized confusion. You know, people speak of virtually anything can be weaponized, but Confusion is really not what we need. Um, very harmful. It, it allows people that 
totally disagree with our faith, do not believe in Jesus Christ, and really mock us. It allows them to kind of have a pathway into saying, see, see even they are not clear on what they believe, and these Christians or these Catholics. Uh, so I, I think it, it really does create confusion. And, you know, God has created us male and female and given distinct roles of, of what it means to be male, what it means to be female. There's been controversy for my lifetime about a male-only priesthood. Um, but that is our belief. Christ chose 12 men. One of them was a betrayer, but they were all men. Um, failed in times, weak, but they were men. They're, they're through the, the Hebrew scriptures. There's something about a patriarchal um, community. And many people reject that. Oh, it's just terrible. It's horrible. But God the Father, we believe, has set a pattern there out of his love. And I, I would encourage people to, and really, John Henry, I believe an awful lot of our issues in the world, all, all across the board, come down to not knowing and not believing God really loves us. Good. If we really believe that, male or female, then we can begin to trust in these traditions and these patterns of how has God operated? If we believe sacred scripture, which of course we do as Catholics, and thankfully many people do, if you believe sacred scripture, then God has operated in a patriarchal manner. I mean, the fact that we call God Father is not some, you know, denigration of women. It really is the opposite. It's giving the, the clear roles of humanity. Of course, God is Father. He's not a human Father. He's divine. But that patriarchal approach shows us something of who God is and the complementarity of women in, in the human society. It, it really is a beautiful gift that God has revealed to us, these distinctions, these differences, not a lack of equality. God's sons and God's daughters are beloved. And we can see that in sacred scripture. Of course, we see the most exalted human being is a woman, Mary of Nazareth, the Immaculate Conception, the mother of Jesus. And people would say, oh, well, what about Jesus? Of course, he is fully man, but he's also fully God. So he is not only human. Mary is only human. So she is a member of our race. And there's poetry, there's beautiful reflections and theological texts that speak of that reality of Mary. So to say that somehow women are less than for the Catholic Church, it just doesn't really understand our theology and our piety, our, our way of living as devout Catholics. Certainly, through the centuries, sometimes women have been uh, put down in one way or another. But to abandon a patriarchal model because of those issues, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't really work because no matter how much modern society wants to say, 
There's no difference. There is. Mm -hmm. Children will tell you that. There's a difference between dad and mom. Those can be and should be and are meant by God to be complementary. And all of that is what the church's holy orders and the whole church's structure is based on. We both know holy religious women, committed and consecrated religious. In many ways, I believe their quiet prayers, you might say in the background, but really not in the background as far as people of the kingdom. They're really at the forefront, being women of prayer. And I know in the diocese where I served, we were blessed with a cloistered monastery of women. And I always reminded myself, who knows how much calamity, how much more calamity there would be in the world if there weren't these women in monasteries around the world. They're diminished, but they're still there praying. We have to believe in that power. So there are multi-facets to what I see as a concern. For one thing, if there is absolutely no intention of having, of promoting and pushing uh, a female priesthood, then you're definitely, again, going back to confusion, you're giving women a false impression that say, well, we can make a elector, we can get to acolyte, maybe deacons next, and then keep moving down that path. If there's absolutely no intention of that, then it's confusing to say, well, we'll give you these steps. And, and to me, it's, it's denigrating to the, the beautiful value of women in the church. Tremendous blessing as are men. I mean, that's God's plan. So it's troubling to see the confusion. It's troubling to see moving away or even incremental steps moving away from being very clear that little boys should be encouraged and supported to, to contemplate the possibility. Are they called to holy orders, deacon, priest? Little girls need to be reminded to, to think of the beautiful path of religious life that they may be called to. And even that, I think, gets interfered with, with the confusion and the mixing of roles and not being clear what the role of men is in the church and in society, what the role of women is in the church and in society. Beautiful. There is one more big confusion from Rome. In fact, it was discovered by Dan Montagna, a reporter, Vatican reporter, uh, who's very much the language, who's particularly Italian. She's just perfect in Italian. When she looked at the texts, she discovered, lo and behold, in the Italian, the official text, Paragraph 38 of Fiducia Supplicants, because in the beginning it does talk very specifically about the possibility of blessing for uh, irregular couples and same-sex couples. So we're talking about couples already, and that created much consternation, particularly in Africa. But she discovered something even beyond that, because in America, particularly, there were you know people arguing about, no, it's for individuals, but it says couples. But yes, but the text says individuals. And then came something of a bombshell when she reports that uh, wait a minute. Actually, in the Italian original, it doesn't say for individuals. It talks about for them in the German für sie, which is a totally plural. It's not. And uh, in in uh, Spanish, uh, para ellos, and in other languages, there's about five languages there. Even in Dutch, um, we, we check, it's not Dutch, excuse me, Polish. 
It also is the plural only. So somehow there's some fooling around going on, uh, making in English uh, the, you know, I don't know, it's some kind of leaning toward perhaps a more orthodox interpretation because, well, that's where all the pushback comes from, usually in English-speaking countries. And now it's English-speaking Africa and uh, America as well. What's your take on that? It was just stunning to me. Well, once again, confusion. Um, and one thing that I would point out that is, I think, problematic, um, certainly could be dealt with, but for many, many years, I would presume centuries, I'm, I'm, I don't claim to know that for sure, but I know when I studied canon law, what we learned is the official texts were always published in Latin. Um, and I can see now why that's so important, because as you know, translations can, as you're pointing out, can make a total difference in the meaning and it can be critical to what we're talking about. And so the wisdom of the church using Latin as the standard, as the home base language to be used always, it it really helps to avoid the confusion. Mm. And you can, I mean, like the Code of Canon Law, it's, you have a Latin text. And I mean, you can have different ideas about certain translations of Latin, but some, like you're pointing out, some of it's totally clear. I mean, in Spanish, I know some Spanish, ellos means them. It doesn't mean anything else. If you're using that word, you're speaking of a plural them. And so that's one level of problem that I see with issuing a text in Italian. Why not issue it in Latin? Mm -hmm. And then be very clear about the translations of those Latin words into the different languages. Beyond that, it doesn't help. I mean, I, I applaud you and Diane and other uh, journalists who are watching things. And it, I mean, that's what you need to do is to point out, was it a mistake? It needs to be corrected. It, was it intentional? With what sort of um, intent was there? And to me, without even trying to figure out why this was done, if it was done intentionally, if it was not an editing error, which I presume it wasn't, or that would have been made, been made very clear already. Oh, we edited it wrong. Here's the proper correction. And that can happen. I mean, we both edited text. I mean, you can make have a mistake there. But it's very troublesome. And to me, probably the, the heart of what troubles me about it is that Again, it gives fodder to people who, who love to attack the church. It gives people, you know, information that says there's deceit here. You hate to make that judgment, but having a brain, you can say, well, that is one path you can go down. And that's a very difficult and problematic path to say, there's an intentional deceit happening with one in translation in English and another in another language that what's going on there. And that becomes, I mean, 
you know, we have such a problem in the world today, not just in the church, but across the board with authority and trusting, trusting authority. And these kind of things don't help when people that are ready to just tear the church down can say, see, they're being deceptive in the way they're doing this. You would hate to even think that, but it opens the door for that kind of speculation. And I think we need to pay attention to that because in this modern world with all the communication, with all the people that would love to, I mean, we've both heard statements from people that want to have a globally different world who would love to see the Catholic Church totally eliminated from the human landscape. We know that won't happen because it was established by Jesus Christ, God's divine son. But the fact that people would love to see that happen and these kind of things undermine the, the presence of the church in the world that needs to be a, a beacon of light and hope. So I hope we can learn from some of these things and be very clear about everything that's issued. And if it is a, what I would call sinister intention of being deceptive, that needs to be addressed as well. What in the world is going on if leaders in the church are intentionally saying, well, in this language, they'll get this version. In this language, they'll get a different version. And talk about politics. I mean, that's what you can presume is they're, they're trying to tamp down one or the other somehow saying, well, it'll be more accepted. It's just deceit in its ugliest form. It would be something if it was just an error. <laughs> the Vatican under Pope Francis is already known for this kind of deception. There was a uh, book out by Pope Francis, and, and they tried to get Pope Benedict, while he was still alive, to, to endorse it. And he sent a letter um, thanking them for it, And but he had some issues with it. And they even showed a photo of the Benedict letter with some of the parts that were somewhat critical fuzzed out. You couldn't see them. And that was intentional. And they were caught for it. And so it's a real embarrassment. And I think the Monsignor was actually let go for that, put into another higher position, probably. But nonetheless, officially let go so he could, uh, so they could make sure that they did something. But it was an intentional deception that was proved in order to bolster Francis at the expense of Pope Benedict and being honest with the former Holy Father. I mean, it's, it's totally crazy. But yet that is our Vatican today. So to try and, um, for all those who would like to say, oh, it, it's probably nothing. Well, actually, there's some indication that they've gone down that road before. Um, we are in, in strange times, but one of the helps to the church, I think a great help to the church, is penance, penance of the people. We are coming up quite soon, actually, to uh, Lent. Uh, Lent starts this year on St. Valentine's Day. That's an interesting thing all by itself. But um, tell us about Lent and uh, what are your thoughts uh, for this Lent for yourself this year? Well, I believe Lent is a, is a great blessing in the life of the church, thankfully, still more or less the way I grew up with it. Um, it is a time of the what the church likes to call a retreat of the church, a time to... Um, be renewed, to refocus, 
Uh, there's the tradition of some uh, fasting and abstinence and the idea of giving something up of, of sort of during the Lenten season of fasting from various things that are enjoyable um, and even maybe some extra prayer, some time to, to go to, to church. If you typically don't go on a Friday, maybe go for Fridays for uh, Stations of the Cross. So it's a time, and beautifully, Lent is a time leading up to Easter, our greatest feast, the resurrection of the Lord, the very heart of where our faith begins, Jesus Christ born into this world, he suffers for us, he dies for us, he rises from the dead. That is the kerygma, that is the, the beginning, that's the seed of, of what the church is. The, the apostles and those gathered around them, they originally called it the way, and they followed that way that led to, with Christ to everlasting life. So Lent is, is pretty much preparing for what it's all about, what, what the church is. Every Sunday is a little Easter, and Lent is a time to remember how significant Easter is. We follow a resurrected Lord who is with us now in the Eucharist as risen Lord, body and blood, soul and divinity. It's his risen body, blood, soul and divinity that is with us, continuing to strengthen us and guide us in this journey through life to everlasting life, to the salvation of our souls. So Lent is very important. And you mentioned Ash Wednesday being on Valentine's Day. I already spoke to someone about that. And I would encourage pastors and parents um, who are guiding their children and certainly individual, individually to, to really look at that Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. It's, it's an interesting just how the calendar falls. I remember it happening before. Um, but I'd encourage those people who are really people of faith to take it as an opportunity for some good discussions, to look at what do you do with an Ash Wednesday on Valentine's Day, and maybe to, you know, talk to your kids about, I mean, I think there are different ways to approach it, but I, I think a good way for parents would be to talk to their kids about, you know, the it's Valentine's Day, but it's also Ash Wednesday. And so maybe encouraging, you know, your children in being encouraged yourself to say, I'm going to be a, even a little more penitential on this Ash Wednesday, just to sort of emphasize, because it's almost like a, a bonus penance you could do <laughs> to say, I'm not only entering into the fasting and abstinence of Ash Wednesday, but I'm going to do a little extra to just really highlight what I'm giving up for this Valentine's Day. And another take that I would encourage, uh, um, as I said, I think there are multiple ways to look at it. You know, you some people might say, well, let's ask Father if we can get a dispensation from Ash Wednesday. <laughs> Ash Wednesday, for one thing, we know it's not a holy day of obligation, but it, in my experience as a priest, it's the most attended day, which is beautiful. I think it it really is a time when people, even if they've kind of wandered from the church, 
It's a time, and many times, people will return to a more active living out of their Catholic faith. But I think Ash Wednesday really captures the, the Catholic imagination and beyond in a non-Catholic area where I was bishop. Uh, we were only less than 10% Catholic, and many non-Catholics would come to Ash Wednesday, and they received the ashes because it's a sacramental. It's not like the Eucharist, so anyone can receive the ashes and be reminded either dust you were and unto dust you shall return or repent and believe the gospel. Both ways can be used at Ash Wednesday, and both are great reminders of the very heart of our faith. And using that word, I think, um, with Lent beginning on Valentine's Day, Ash Wednesday, another way that I would encourage parents to consider is to maybe really talk about why is it St. Valentine's Day? What What is the heart imagery of that day really about? And then bring in, of course, the a great love devotion that I have is the Sacred Heart of Christ. And to really maybe use it as, as an opportunity to remind kids and adults that it's St. Valentine's Day in its origin. And where did that come from? Who was St. Valentine? What's that about? And the reason that hearts are there, it's kind of become the day for, you know, spouses to exchange gifts or whatever. Um, but to look at the Valentine's Day and what it says to the love that Christ is love incarnate and what it says to us as we begin this journey to his passion and Holy Week and then his resurrection. So I would encourage people to really be creative and be um, use the opportunity that Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday happen to be the same day this year, beginning Lent, to really not just say, well, Father, can we have a dispensation from Ash Wednesday? Or just say, kind of pretend we, we'll just ignore Valentine's Day and just have Ash Wednesday, but to really kind of play around with, you know, what does that say to us? What can we learn from it that is beautiful for our faith as we enter into a Lenten journey once again? Absolutely beautiful. Bishop Strickland, may I ask you to bless our viewers because I'm sure they would love to have your blessing. Sure. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing for all of those who will view this conversation, that it may be an opportunity for us to rejoice in our life in Jesus Christ, rejoice in the blessings, face the challenges, always praying for all of the church, the hierarchy, the laity, every member of the church, the mystical body of Christ, and praying that we can continue to seek the life that Christ brings, continues to bring, undimmed into each of our lives and into our world, with the intercession of the saints and especially the Queen of Saints, the Immaculate Virgin Mary. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Strickland. God bless you. Thank you. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time.
Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.